Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. A call to confession today is from Proverbs chapter 29, verse 19. It reads like this. By mere words, a servant, a servant is not disciplined, for though he understands, he will not respond. Silence is no evidence of agreement or submission. It's often a loud statement of defiance, in fact. I'm sure many of you have heard the humorous anecdote about the young child whose parents instructed him to sit down. After some back chat, the child finally was seated. But when he did, he retorted, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Silent rebellion is very common. We may self-righteously justify ourselves as submissive, all the while burning up with bitter rage inside. Our silent rebellion can usually be seen in our smoldering eyes, our facial expressions, or our body language. As Christians, we should be the quickest to say that we are sorry when we are shown our faults. We should take correction with cheerfulness and contrition. We should make amends as quickly as possible. Silent rebellion is conduct totally contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ for his servants. We must remember who our, who our true master is. From Ephesians 6 we read, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God, God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. I invite you to kneel where you are if you will. Dear Father, we thank you. Thank you for this text. We pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding of this, your text. Oh Lord, that we would delight in what you have given to us. And Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our Redeemer. And we pray, that, pray this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, <clears throat> the day in which John the Baptist and Jesus were born was a time of great expectation. It was full of expectation. God had given his promises um, in the Old Testament um, like in Isaiah 2, where we see the promise of the king in Zion transforming the world. Um, we see texts like that. Um, there were multitudes of passages that the Israelites expectantly looked to and longed for their fulfillment in the Messiah. Including the first promise that was given in Genesis 3, where we see that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Or the promise given to Abraham that through his seed... All the nations would be blessed. Or Psalm 2, the promise of the Messiah King to come, where all the knees of everybody should bow. Or Isaiah 9, that talked of the child to be born who would have an increasing government of peace upon the earth, resting on his shoulders, 
We see the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. We see the new covenant in Jeremiah 31 and the promise of a new and greater covenant there. And that's just a handful of the promises. You can go through and just see promise after promise that the Lord God has given. Over and over again, the the prophets prophesied these promises to God's people. And they find all their centrality in the coming Messiah who would set things right and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. The righteous men and women of Israel longed for the promised Messiah. The zealots longed for the Messiah to come and kick out the Roman invaders, right, and get rid of the Roman uh, oppression. The Sadducees, you know, they were probably there too, smiling condescendingly and patronizingly at the common folk and their unsophisticated beliefs. But they likewise had some idea of promise that they had in the scriptures. So all of the Israelites had some, something in their mind about the promise of the coming Messiah. Just as many Jews do today as they celebrate Passover and say things like, next year in Jerusalem, you know, gathering where Messiah shall have come. And so they expectantly and look to hope in that next year in Jerusalem, not knowing that they missed the Messiah 2,000 years ago. And they need to embrace Jesus today. Now when we look ahead to the birth and dedication of the baby Jesus in the temple when he was eight days old, we get a glimpse of the expectancy in Israel with both Simeon and Anna who were there waiting working to prepare for the consolation of Israel, right? The Messiah. And so we hear these words that are said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. There's Simeon saying these words. He's looking at the promises that are given. And he's ex- in all the expectations that he's had over time, over his lifetime, he sees this baby, and here they are being fulfilled right before his eyes. And Anna, we read this. Coming in that instance, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And so we see the expectation that, that was there. That was wait, They were waiting for the consolation of Israel to come, the Messiah to come. And these were representative of the faithful in Israel at the time. Now, in many, many regards, it was a bit of a dark day in Israel as well. During the time of John being born and living his life, and the time of Jesus being born and living his life, it was a time of darkness as well. Rome, you see, had come in and become the semi-oppressive superpower. And you didn't want to get, get them upset, right? And you have this dictatorship in Israel. And then you also have, you know, evil Herod the Great who's on the throne at this time as well. So there's darkness there as well. There's expectancy and darkness going on. Augustus Caesar was emperor. And when he said, jump, right, what did people do? People jumped and went to their hometowns for the census, even way out on the other side of the empire, way over in Palestine, You find a man and a woman jumping at the command of Caesar to go to their hometown of Bethlehem, right? That was the condition that Israel was in. 
Israel was an occupied land. Roman soldiers roamed the streets and roads. But at the same time, people continued on living their lives, longing for the Messiah, yet not selling everything. They weren't preppers selling everything and moving out to Masada to wait and hunker down until the Messiah came. They were living their lives. The average people lived their lives and worked hard, provided for their families, did their jobs, and they prayed and they read the scriptures and placed their hope in God. And that's the couple that were introduced today in the text, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now we, we see that they're well advanced in years. They're older. They're an older couple who have tried to have children or even just one child for years, perhaps decades. They've probably cried themselves to sleep over Elizabeth's barrenness. They prayed for a child over the years. They prayed for the Lord to take away the reproach. Oh, how they wanted a child. But here they were, past childbearing years or getting, getting into that age, resigned to being childless. But what so, hap- what so often happens, you know, we've got to remember this, what so often happens to women who are barren in the Scripture, when we see that a woman is barren, what can we expect? A child, right? A child. Right? When we see that mentioned in Scripture, that a woman is barren, so often we see a child coming. It's what happened to Sarah and Rebecca and Hannah and Manoah's wife, who is the mother of Samson. Right? So over and over again we see a barren woman, but having a child, because it's God who works that in the womb of that woman. What happened to all these women? What happens to the barren woman? What happens to the, the families there is the Lord hears their supplications, right? We see that in every instance, that the Lord is hearing their supplications. He heard the prayers of faith. He heard their longings, their desires, and He answered them in their distress. And that's what we see here in the text for today. This text is full of expectation and fulfillment. And that's what we want to note here first in the text, that the Lord our God answers prayers. He answers prayers. Here we find Zacharias doing his job. All right? He's doing his job. He and his wife have been praying for years. Now they're past childbearing years. Maybe they've stopped praying for a child by this time. Right? But here we find Zacharias. He's continuing on. He's doing his job. He was a priest. And he and his wife, Elizabeth, were, we read in the text, were both righteous before God. They walked in his ways, they believed him, and kept his commandments and ordinances. They were blameless in those ways. And yet they continued on childless. It was thought by the Hebrews that children were a reward for faithful service to him. The children were a reward for faithful service to him, and here they were. Faithful, righteous, set apart as a priest unto the Lord, they, they, they were blameless. They were righteous before God. And here they were, childless. How disappointing. Feeling the reproach of the people, at least maybe feeling the reproach internally, maybe even if people weren't reproaching them. At least having that feeling, right? 
And yet Zacharias continued in his faithful service to the people of God. He continued to serve in the temple when it was his time. And when it came time to burn incense in the inner sanctuary of the temple, he went by faith there doing his work, doing what God called him to do. But this day that he entered in was a different day than other days when he served in the temple. You see, this day he met an angel of the Lord next to the incense table. And he was a little concerned about that. Right? This would be a little concerning. Right? Wouldn't we be a little concerned if we walked in and next to the communion table was an angel? Right? So here he is. When Zacharias saw him, it says he was troubled. Right? And fear fell upon him. Well, we can imagine that, right? Here is a being that was in the presence of God, as he said. This is going to be a little startling to us, right? But look at the sweet message that Gabriel brings to Zacharias. He brings this right to him, right off the bat, right? Do not be afraid, right? There it is. And we watch, how many times does God say that? How many times does Jesus say that, Right? Do not be afraid. And here's Gabriel saying the same thing. Here's a message from the Lord. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. God has heard your prayer. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's this message. What a message. I mean, do not be afraid, right? I don't bring judgment, but a message of hope and thanksgiving and longing that you and your wife have been praying for. And then you see, Gabriel reminds him that God is listening to his people. God has heard your prayers. God has heard you. And so he has sent Gabriel to announce to Zacharias that he has heard and is answering them right now. But it's not just Zacharias and Elizabeth's prayer that he's answering, but the prayer of the faithful people of Israel who were longing for Messiah, it was beginning to be answered here. The prayer of God's people was being answered here. It was the beginning. The prayers of Anna, the prayers of Simeon, are being answered now. The prayers for a child that went up day after day, week after week, year after year, are now going to be fulfilled. And Elizabeth is going to bear a child. She's going to bear a child. She will no longer be barren. No longer will be a reproach among her people, but she will conceive. Their prayer is answered. But is answered, you see, in God's timing. Prayers are answered in God's timing, not ours. And that's something that we so need to understand, right? Because we so often get so impatient, right? Don't we? We get so impatient with stuff. But it's God's timing. 
Think about the same thing happening with Abraham and Sarah, another elderly couple conceiving. For years they looked forward to a child. God had promised them a child, right? They looked forward to the promised child that would come from Sarah, not Hagar, right? From the free woman, not the slave. And it was in God's timing. Always in His timing and in the way that He wants to answer our prayers, just as He does here with Elizabeth and Zacharias. Now, they probably just wanted to have a child, a normal child, a regular child, an everyday kind of kid, a child to carry on their family name when they were old and gone, to help care for them in their older age, maybe. Right? But they got the promise of a child that would be greater than that. God answered their prayer just as He answers our prayers, but it's not always the way we want it or think that it's going to be answered, right? You see, God's plans are bigger and greater and grander and more glorious than we can even hope for. Even when it doesn't seem like it at the time. Right? That's the promise that we have in Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. Right? Even the suffering of Job worked together for good. Even the suffering of Joseph worked together for good. Even the barrenness of Elizabeth worked together for good. Right? And so we think, you know, when we get in the midst of all of that, why is all this bad stuff happening? What, what about all this supposedly bad stuff, right? Or, you know, we get into a time of persecution. What about that? Right? When, when stuff like that happens, right, and when we all live in a day in which persecution is rising up, right, when we can't say things that we should be able to say, right, when we can't have a free exchange of ideas, if you will, right, because we might bring up Jesus and we can't have that, right, when persecution like that happens, we need to remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Right? Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Right? So even when bad things happen, even like persecution, which you know sometimes we think is probably the worst of the worst, right? Jesus says, Be blessed. Rejoice. Be glad. Right? You know, do we believe that when 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 tough stuff happens. We see, the, we see Job. Job was struggling through that time, right? We see guys like, you know, people that are believing that, you know, believing that God's working through tough things. We see that in groups like the Covenanters in Scotland, you know, where Alan Cameron, who's the father of Richard Cameron, who's the Lionheart of the Covenant, right, who is a bold preacher, and he had He'd raised his son to preach boldly the word of God. And then Alan, then Richard Cameron lost his life. He lost his life. He was killed for the faith. And so Alan Cameron could rejoice and be glad. He could be thankful when he, they brought him his son's head and hands. Here's what Richard Cameron said. Yes, I know them. They asked him, do you know who this is? You know, they're mocking him. Do you know who this is? He's in jail. 
And he looks, takes his son's head in his hands, and he says, yes, I know them. I know them. They are my sons, my own dear sons. It is the Lord. Good is the will of the Lord who cannot wrong me nor mine, but has made goodness and mercy to follow us all our days. That's a man of faith. That's a prayer of faith. That's a trust of faith. You see? God's plans are greater than ours. Do we believe that God is sovereign when things don't go the way we want them to go? Do we trust in Him in those times? Right? The same struggle that Job had as he questioned the ways of the Lord. Right? And remember, the Lord answered him. Right? Eventually, in God's own timing, in His own time and place, the Lord answered him out of the whirlwind. Right? And told of His character and His power and His might and His plans and all the things that God was doing. And Job's response was, I know you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this that hides, who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. And Job covers his hand, or covers his mouth with his hand. Right? God answers prayers. God answers prayers in his own way, in his timing, the way he wants to answer them for our good. Right? Even when it seems tough. And so it was with Zacharias and Elizabeth's promised son. Right? He was going to answer prayer. He was going to give him a son. But it was going to be in his timing, and this son was going to do what God wanted him to do. He's going to be a God's man. He's going to be greater than just some ordinary boy. So let's remember what Gabriel said. He was going to be great in the sight of the Lord. John, this child of yours is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And their son was going to lead a revival in Israel and turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Why did they, have, why did they need to be turned to the Lord their God? Because they had turned away from the Lord. And John is going to lead this revival that's going to cause, that, cause them to turn their hearts back to the Lord their God. And he was also going to go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to be like the prophet Elijah. You know, when you look back and you see the power and the great things that Elijah did, this is, he's going to be like that. He's going to be a new Elijah. And in his message, he was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just with very, the very specific purpose. Here's his purpose. This is what John is going to be born for, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This was not going to be just any ordinary son that they were to have. He had a mighty task before him to prepare a people for the Lord. 
as we read later on in Luke, you read it in the other Gospels, this was not going to be just any ordinary person. This was going to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord, making his path straight for the Lord. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. You know, in in other words, John is going to fulfill Isaiah 40. He's the new Elijah. And he's preparing the way of the Lord. They just wanted a child. They prayed for a child, but God answered their prayers in a far different and unexpected and more glorious way than what they could even expect. Their son, John, was going to be a fulfillment of the expectations and promises of Scripture. He was going to be the one that prepares the way for the Messiah. Now, let us also see that Zacharias and Elizabeth are also representatives of the people of Israel. They're the representatives of the people of Israel. Just as they, Zacharias and Elizabeth, have been longing for years, many long years, to have a child born to them, and their waiting had entered into their golden years, so too had Israel been long waiting. Right? It had been a long time. It had been 400 years since the last prophet of Israel had spoken. Right? Think about that in our day. It would be like when the pilgrims came. Right? 1620. That's how long ago it was since the last prophet spoke. Right? That's a long time. It had been 400 years since a prophet had spoken. 400 years of silence. It's called the 400 years of silence. Right? Just as God had been silent for decades with Zacharias and Elizabeth. But now, the silence was going to be broken. The silence was going to be broken. Out of the womb of Elizabeth would come a son who would speak again and prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Messiah. And Gabriel tied in their son back to the last things that Malachi said. The last thing that the last prophet said. Right? In Malachi. The last prophet to speak in Israel. The last thing that he really says. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And here's Gabriel saying this about their son, about John. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. See, there it is. John, your son is going to fulfill these scriptures very specifically. Very specifically. He was going to come in the power of Elijah, and through his preaching, he would turn the hearts of many of the people of the first century back to the faith of their fathers, back to the scriptures, back to the law of God, and the hearts of the fathers to the children, to teach them, once again, the word of the Lord, to teach fathers, to teach their children the ways of the Lord again. That's what you see in revival so often, right? A return to the word. True revival. You see a return to the God's word. 
Many were baptized by John as he prepared the way for the Lord, calling people to repentance and faith on God. But eventually, John the Baptist was to decrease that Jesus might increase in his ministry. That's going to be his ministry. He was never out. John was never out to gain glory for himself, but to prepare the way of the Lord. To prepare the way of the Lord. Just like Gabriel said, just as Malachi said, to prepare the way for the Lord. That is one of the things that made him so great. Right? One of the things that made him so great is that he said this. When he's looking at Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. It's in John 3. That's what John is saying. That's what John the Baptist is saying about Jesus. He's preparing the hearts of the people for the Lord. Now in our account today, Zacharias doubts what's being said at first. He does what we so often do. He's only looking at the natural situation. He's looking at their old age and saying, well, how can this happen? Right? How can this happen when we're past childbearing years? And one of the stumbling blocks that Jews so often have, and you see that in the scriptures, is that they want a sign. And so perhaps... Zacharias is here is asking Gabriel, give me a sign so I know that this is going to happen. As if an angel standing next to the incense table wasn't enough. <laughs> right? But you see that happening so often in Scripture that the, the Jews want a sign. have been going through Matthew and you see that over and over again. Right? And so here he is. He's doubting. He wants maybe a sign. He's, he's saying, I'm looking at our natural situation and I don't see how this can happen. And he says... How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And here this priest of God forgot the scriptures. This priest of God forgot the scriptures, forgot who God is. Right? Forgot about all the barren women. Right? Forgot that God repeatedly visits the barren woman. Forgot about Sarah, who had Isaac in her 90s. Right? It's not too late for you, Elizabeth. He needed a reminder, and he was made mute until the birth of their son. Needed a reminder of God's word, and Gabriel gave him the grace of being mute until the birth of their son. He was chastened in the mercy of the Lord. And when he returned, what happened? Elizabeth conceived. The Lord did just what he promised to them. And Elizabeth, we read Elizabeth rejoicing. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And so she's rejoicing. So often when things look most bleak, when the darkest of days come, that's when the Lord our God steps in and visits his people and answers their prayers in the most amazing ways. Unexpected ways, but amazing ways. In his timing, in his way, he answers prayers, even in the darkest of days. We live in dark days 
in our time in many ways, bleak days. But it's for us to live by faith, trusting God. When many people are abandoning the faith and it seems to be getting darker, we need to trust in God. We need to trust in hope in Him. It's in days like ours that God often comes down and does amazing things. We should be expectant. We should have great expectations for what the Lord is going to do. Right? It's in days like this that God has often revived His people. And we need to remember that. That's why it's so important to understand history and see the history of what God is doing as He providentially works through time and space. And then think about it. Before all this would be fulfilled... You know, when we talk about waiting and some of the things that are going on, before all of this is going to be fulfilled, another lifetime had to wait. Right? Because John had to grow up. Three decades are going to pass. John had to grow up and become and fulfill all of these things. More waiting. More waiting. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they may not even have seen the fulfillment of all of these things. And yet they were faithful people, and they raised John to know and love the Lord. Just like Robert and Sarah are going to raise Eleanor and the rest of their children, right? To know and remember and love the Lord. All right. So we likewise are to wait expectantly on the Lord in our day as we await his sure return. We're, in some regards, in waiting mode just like they were then, right? They were waiting the Christ child's first advent. That's why we're celebrating Advent right now. And we are awaiting his second advent. We are awaiting his second coming, which is promised to us in the word. There are similar things that we ought to be doing, just like in their day. We are to be living by faith, not by sight. That even when things look bleak, even when we feel like things are bleak, the Lord, we need to remember, is still working in this world. He is still working in this world. And so it's important for us to remember. And so we walk in covenant faithfulness to the Lord with one another and with the wives of our youth, with our children. Right? We train, train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We turn our hearts toward them that they might have their hearts turned to the ways of the Lord, to His Word, to His Law, to His Scriptures. We remember Psalms, and we bring Psalms to mind as we uh, train up our children in the Lord, like Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We need to tell the things of the Lord to our children. Telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. We also accept the refining fires that the Lord sends our way. Knowing that our Father in Heaven is disciplining us, that is, training us, making us students, disciplining us, training us, sanctifying us, growing us to be more like Jesus. We do things like continuing to tithe to the Lord by faith. 
even even if we lose our job or we have you know a reduced income or something like that, we still tithe unto the Lord. We give to the Lord because we're giving it to Him in faith, trusting that He will provide for us and take care of us. And we acknowledge our sins and we repent of them. And we joyfully live in the warmth of Christ's love, listening to Him through His Word, the Law, and the Prophets. And we speak the good news of what Christ has done boldly to those around us. And we do so without fear. You know, that's a hard thing, right? It's a hard thing. But we do so without fear. Do so in wisdom, right? Therefore, we have the work of the Lord to do, don't we? We have the work of the Lord to do. Waiting doesn't mean doing nothing, right? Zacharias you know, in his expectations, didn't just sit around doing nothing. He continued to go in the temple, serve the Lord, and all of those things while he prayed for a child. Waiting doesn't mean we do nothing. He is using us in his church to transform this world as he works through us by the might and power of his Holy Spirit in us and in our midst. And he does so in the humble things that we do every day. The everyday things that we do changing diapers, cleaning up messes in our houses, cutting firewood, that's what we were doing yesterday, engaging in family worship, reading and studying God's word, living with the joy of the Lord in the life that he has given us, whatever that looks like in our family life each day. And we can pray to be used by him in this kingdom building work. And some of that kingdom building work just seems so mundane, so so every day and that's what it is but it's drawing our children to be the generation that loves the Lord as well and we can pray for that and then we look forward to the day when all things will be set right and we enter into glory when there will be no more tears or sorrows but only the joy of being in the presence of the Lord and being able to see him face to face that is our expectation this day as we look forward to the second advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who came 2,000 years ago for a very specific purpose and that was to lay down his life for his sheep that we might have life and have it abundantly in him and we get to celebrate that this day what a glorious thing it is to celebrate that for this is the purpose for which Christ came to bring glory to himself bring glory to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to lay down his life for his sheep that we may be brought into his fold that we may glorify him forever. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. We thank you for the hope that you give to us in your Son. We thank you for the mercy that you have extended to us and we rejoice in that. We thank you for your love. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers and answers our prayers. Oh Lord, that you answer them in your perfect and holy way. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to walk according to your word, to be like Job, to look expectantly, to pray, but also to rest in how you answer prayers, to be like Zacharias and Elizabeth and to rejoice in that. Oh Lord, we thank you. 
for this scripture. We thank you for the things that it teaches us. And we pray that we may have eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to understand your ways, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' most powerful and holy name. And now we pray as the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.